the gloves are about to come off. It is time to drop your butt. <laughs> Mark Wales first appeared on Australian Survivor in 2017, where he joined the Asaga tribe alongside icons of the game like Jericho, Luke, and yes, Sam Gash. Mark demonstrated early on that he was a force to be reckoned with, putting his strength and military training to use in the challenges, helping Asaga to go on an early winning streak of four immunity challenges. During that time, Mark grew close to Sam and the pair seemed to be in a power position within the tribe. However, when Asaga finally lost immunity on day 16, the tribe left Mark out of a blindside against Sam. At the next tribal council, they finished the job of taking out the power couple by eliminating Mark from the game on day 18. But Mark didn't leave empty-handed. Mark and Sam went on to have a child together, Harry, and married in 2019. Mark and Sam returned to Australian Survivor in 2022 to play together in Blood vs. Water. Mark joined the Water Tribe and quickly stepped into a powerful position, solidifying bonds with Nina, Khan, Josh, Shay, and KJ. Along with Nina, Mark helped to pull off the first blindside of the season, sending home fellow returning player Andy. With his alliance firmed up, Mark's next big move came when the tribes swapped and Mark was left without a buff, but with a choice of which tribe he would join. He chose not to join the new water tribe alongside Sam, instead deciding to continue playing his own independent game on the new blood tribe with the majority of his existing alliance. It was there that he helped to fulfill the infamous Day 16 curse by sending Sandra Diaz-Twine home. Mark formed a new alliance of alpha men and found a not-so-secret hidden immunity idol. When the tribes merged, Mark and Sam synced up their games by solidifying a new majority alliance that went on to dominate the game. But it wasn't all smooth sailing. Mark's former ally Jordy was targeting Mark's idol, and in the process, Sam's closest pre-merge ally Jesse was sent home, leaving an idol behind in Sam and Mark's hands. Mark and Sam continued to dominate the game with two idols at their disposal until day 40 when they made a game-changing decision to let Sam sacrifice herself and go to the jury, leaving Mark in the game with both idols. Mark used those idols at the next two tribal councils to guarantee his spot in the final five. In an expertly played endgame, Mark helped to eliminate KJ as a strategic threat and his closest ally and biggest competitor in the game, Josh, securing himself a place at the final tribal council. In an expertly performed final tribal, Mark beat out Chrissy and Shay for the win, earning every single jury vote. Mark and Sam are the first all-returning pair to compete in Blood vs. Water. Together, they went further into the game than any other pair in Blood vs. Water history, Mark is the first returning player that didn't make the merge in their first season and then went on to win upon their return. He's the first man to win Australian Survivor with a unanimous vote, but most importantly, he is, I believe, the first straight man to appear on Drop Your Buffs. (laughs) Very important (laughs) distinction. It is Mark Wales. Welcome to Drop Your Buffs, Mark. Hey, what an honor. I've been, I've been waiting. I'm a massive fan of you guys and I've been waiting to chat. I'm super excited. Oh, yeah, we're super excited too. So congratulations are in order because we're one week out from your historic win on Blood versus Water. How are you feeling? It, it, it has not sunk in. I'm still surprised. I'm still trying to figure out what happened um, i know we just went through this whole experience that took about six months of my life and now it's finished and sam and i have finally been able to like exhale and just uh, enjoy being out of the of the game for a bit but it's it's cool like i i never expected it if i'm being really honest i just never expected to win uh the game and i think i played much better and i think some things also went our way 
and that really helped. But yeah, it's great to be at the end and 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 to reflect on it. Yeah, and with that unanimous vote, it's a it's a rare thing. Oh wow, that was a real surprise. Yeah, that was a real surprise. Um, yeah, I wasn't expecting that either. I, you know, because Shay and Chrissy, especially Chrissy, played really strong games. Her pitch was really strong too. So um, that part surprised me. Yeah. Well, it felt like the first double win since way back in Survivor All-Stars when Amber won and Rob was at the f- final with her there. And, and of course, they got engaged and and that did feel like a double win. But in some ways, this feels even more significant because in that case, I think the jury was viewing their vote as kind of the lesser of two evils. And in Blood versus Water, <laughs> you and Sam approached the game in such a strategic and in an innovative way that I don't think we have ever seen this game played and especially not in a blood versus water season. And I'm curious, how much of your win do you attribute to Sam? I, I don't see our game as being individual games. There were portions of the game where we were separated, but the whole time, if you look at the, at the whole survivor campaign for us, it really went for five years. We had the time when we played together. We had the period after where we had a family and we also became survivor fans and we, we thought more about the show. And then there's this kind of final battle, I guess, that we both went into together with a shared understanding this time we're going to do it different. It's, it's so, it's such a great opportunity, even just getting to play survivor, let alone getting a second shot. Like that's, that's a huge deal. So you, I wanted to do it properly. I didn't want to be a couple that went back and, and cooked it a second time. So I think when you look at where Sam and I started all the way up to the game we played just now, it, it makes a bit more sense. It's like we got burned first time because we made simple errors. And, and this time I feel like we went in there with a much clearer idea of how we we're going to behave. And I guess the risks we were going to take to try and get to the end. And I'm proud that we took those risks. I did things that felt really uncomfortable in the game because I knew it would either be good for my strategy or it'd be good TV. And I'm proud I took those chances because the way I looked at it is, look, you're probably not going to get to the end. Most people don't. So just play a game that's fun and you enjoy and and take a few risks. And I'm, I'm glad we did that. So I think I don't, I just don't see it as an individual game, even though we're in there as individuals, we cooperated so closely that we got the win together. So since playing Survivor in 2017, I know so many players dream of playing again. How likely was it for you both to feel you would actually receive that call and get this opportunity to play again? <laughs> That's a good question. I put it at, I put it for me at 20 to 30% and same for Sam. And the reason I did is because I was like, we might get All-Stars, but it's more of a second chance for us because we weren't big players. And then when All-Stars came and went, I was like, oh, we probably won't go back again. And then when I heard on the grapevine there was a blood versus water season, I was like, hmm, I never really thought of this one. If you look at Sam and I, we are prime kind of candidates for that type of show. So all of a sudden I was thinking, there's actually a decent chance we could go back here. And, and we started thinking about it pretty early. So on the Water Tribe, we saw you form an early alliance with Nina Twine, the princess of Survivor, (laughs) who later unfortunately left the game in the worst way possible with a medevac. I'm curious because we saw you play together quite closely and you seem to be working together well. I'm curious, where did you see Nina fitting in with the rest of your game? And would she have maintained a position in that majority alliance through post-merge, or would she have been seen as a really big end-game threat that you would have had to cut sort of mid, mid-merge? mid <laughs> Oh, this is an interesting one because I saw Nina like a week ago and we talked about this. And the part that we talked about is the very first conversation we had at the well where we were talking about Andy for the first vote. And I'd seen Nina, I was like really impressed by her kind of low-key demeanor and how patient she was and how kind of measured she was. Uh, I really saw her her as an interesting character. I I knew she'd been trained by the best and mentored by the best in the game. 
Uh, so I was a little bit afraid of her, if I'm being honest, and I wanted to be on her good side. Um, so I, I talked a bit about the military. I knew her dad was in the military. I found out he was actually wounded in Afghanistan. He's a Purple Heart recipient. So I, I kind of used that to connect with her, but I was genu- genuinely interested in her experience of living in the US and what she'd done. And so when that first strategy conversation came around, we're standing at the well and uh, she kind of said, you know, what are you thinking? And I was like, well, you know, we could keep the tribe strong, but I'm not really a fan of that. And I'm kind of watching her reaction as I'm saying this and like still green light. And, I'm, and she goes, I can't remember what the exact language was. I, was. I said something around, you know, I was thinking potentially Andy as a returning player. I'm not sure if you've seen him play before, but he's very good. He's smart. Uh, very capable guy. He's good in challenges, but uh, he, he'd probably be my first choice. It was a very short version of that. And she basically said, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, and, and that kind of quick agreement made us an instant kind of pair. And she said later that she had just been saying, I just want to talk to someone about strategy. And when she heard me say that, she's like, ah, this is someone I can work with. And I wasn't punished for that strategy talk in a way that you might be in a season of new players. So that's what made her a a really easy pairing early on. And so we worked together really well, but I was, I knew she was going to be a really good player. And um, she was very tight with Josh uh, tighter with Josh than I was with her. So I knew at some point uh, we would go head to head, probably I assumed in the post-merge game. Um, and I was ruining the day because I knew it was going to be very difficult. <laughs> I knew it was going to be difficult because she's that good. That was truly the perfect lead up to this question of at your final tribal council, you discussed your first big move as being blindsiding Andy. And the the way the edit tells the story is very much that Nina went into that conversation at the well with the intention of getting you to verbalize Andy as the person. Now, was that difficult for you to watch? How did you actually feel about the edit and them attributing this move to Nina at, when you watched it back for the first time? I was totally okay with it because I, I like the fact that they were apportioning credit in different ways. And so I was watching it going, that's okay. Like some of the early ones will go to other people, even if I'm closely involved in it. That's, I had no issue with that. The issue I had was when there was a huge stretch through the middle of the game where they just weren't letting me explain anything about my strategy. Um, and that was really, that was unusual because I spent so much time like belaboring that point. Like, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. Um, this is how it's going to fit together as we go. I was really belaboring that and it just it just didn't come out. None of that uh, saw the light of day. And that was that became frustrating for me over time. I'm not going to complain because that's, I didn't start the show to try and be a strategic hero. I kind of went there to win. I made that clear. Um, but it was, it was frustrating because you put a lot of work into it and you want to, you want to say your piece. Yeah. Do you feel, were you at all concerned with the first vote you participating in, you targeting a, one of the few returning players and how that could maybe backfire on you? What did that affect your decision to even participate or attempt to get out Andy with that setting a precedent for them to come after you shortly after? So my plan here was that if you if you look, it's hard to see in the edit, but when you look at the physical size of players, Andy was a big guy. He's about six three. He's kind of my height. Um, really? <laughs> really capable. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. He's a pretty big guy. Um, six three. So so one of the big guys in our tribe, and by me targeting him, I became more indispensable to the tribe. Um, as we went into the challenges, which is super physical. The early tribal challenges are just heavy lifting. You need strength. You need big people. And so I was trying to make myself more important to the tribe. That's why I did that. Hmm. Well, let's talk about another returning player, Sandra, who you played with for a very brief period of time because you took her out the first chance that you got after the tribe swap when you were both on the newly swapped uh, blood tribe. 
So I'm curious because I didn't quite understand this vote when when it happened, because I understand that Sandra's legacy paints her as a certain type of threat, but I didn't see her being that threat in the game. So was the reason for her vote out her legacy solely, or were there other things about the way that she was gelling in the tribe or not gelling in the tribe that made her a target for that vote? Uh, the reason we went for Sandra wasn't so much her legacy because we knew that would hamstring her to a point during the game. It was more the fact that Juicy Dave was thrown around as the first name, uh, to vote out. And when I looked at the kind of red OG members and some of the new people from the water tribe that had come over, they wanted to target Dave. I had already talked to Dave. I knew he'd been kind of beaten down to the bottom. And I said, mate, what do you think? I was standing around the fire and I'm like, mate, what do you think for today? And he just looked at me and goes, mate, I'm a gun for hire. <laughs> and I went, oh, that's, I, that's language I can understand. I can work with this guy. And uh, so, so he just indicated he was up for anything. And uh, when we had the discussion around the well and everyone said, hey, let's go, Dave. I went, yeah, of course, great vote. We split off. I think it was Josh, myself, and Geordie. And we ducked around behind a tree. And we all looked at each other. And they were like, what do you think? And I was like, no, uh, Sandra. And I think, and the other guys were thinking the same thing too. And the reason we said that is because it let us vote along tribal lines. So we could start to whittle away at the, at the red OG members. And also let us vote along gender lines, which I know people are going to hate. But that's a fact. We knew that in Australian Survivor, generally what happens uh, with the athletic males, especially is the pre-merge and post-merge, they're the ones that go. So we were trying to disempower that that block of voters and, and trying to make sure we were reducing the chances of that voting block occurring in blood 2.0. Um, and that's the reason we went for Sandra. That's so interesting because Sandra even vocalized that at her tribal that she was voted exactly. out on that. And, and we said at the time, well, she's preaching to the wrong choir here because she's preaching to a majority of strong alpha men to uh, to watch out because the weak are going to band together and get, get them out. <laughs> yeah, it left an impression. It left an impression because I remember her saying, and like when a seven time, you know, seven seasons, two times win it, when someone says that, like you believe them. And it just put a lot of fear through us. We're like, oh, my goodness, she's right. And it, it, I guess it became a self-fulfilling prophecy because we, we stuck together for protection after that point. And it, it did drive people crazy, but I think there was envy. I think they wanted that protection that we had. And the other part of my rationale, I'm like, this isn't going to be interesting uh, particularly to watch, but I know, I'm going to take the easy stretch while I can because I know the last half of the game is going to be a, a total knife fight and you need the energy for you need the energy and the the resources for that. And you're not going to have it if you're constantly scrambling. Mm. So I'm curious as a Survivor fan, as a student of the game, which I believe you are, what was your experience like just living with Sandra? Oh, it was it was sensational. I, I made sure I went up to her and just asked, because I'm kind of a new fan. I've been a fan for about three or four years. So I haven't seen all the US series, but... I'd seen some of the really colorful characters that came out of it and I wanted to get her take on them. I was like, is Russell Hance as bad as what he looks in the show? She's like, oh no, he's much worse. (laughs) 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 You know, what's coach like? Is he, you know, is that how he is? She's like, oh my God. She has all these old beefs with players and she's like really vicious. And I I just loved her, like um, being an ex-military lady as well. And she just calls it as it is. And she was just so much fun. So going into the merge, both you and Sam had built very strong alliances. Now coming together, you had to sync up those games in order to move forward as a strong pair. Can you talk about the negotiation process and how it inevitably, ultimately led to you choosing to vote out Khan, moving forward with the majority alliance men that you had formed with the new blood tribe? Yeah, this was a hard one. Obviously, we're coming together. There's two major blocks or alliances we have a foot in each camp uh the way i was looking at it was i would got a, a pretty good read 
on most people by this point. And I knew that Khan was the sort of person that was the probably the best all-rounder in the game. He had one of the best social games, probably up there with Chrissy. Physically, he was sensational. He was much better than I thought he'd be physically. And he's intel- it's like intelligent. Strategically, I knew he'd be good. I hadn't seen a lot yet, but I thought he was concealing quite a bit. And I made this point to Sal, I know you're working with him, but think about the end game. If you're if you're sitting with him, do you do you feel like you're going to be able to win? And my my view was no. We we would have we would probably not be able to beat him at the end. Um, whereas the alliance I was with, I'm like they're a bit more stable. Uh, you've got Geordie and Jesse. Geordie's already shown that he is loose with information. Whereas I had a team of players that. Because of their backgrounds, I could kind of predict the way they were going to behave. So Josh and Jordan, uh, professional rugby players, Josh is a pilot. I I knew they were probably going to be team-focused and cooperative. And that read was correct. We we actually were that way from day – I was with Josh from day one to day 46. And that read was correct. Uh, The read I had on Geordie was also correct, that he was a bit loose with information and he was unpredictable as a player. And that was my pitch to Sam is like, I think I've got a better alliance. I think I've got a more stable alliance. Uh, but the hard thing is, is Sam knows what that's going to mean for a game. And that's where the conflict arose is, is you know, she, the conflict for her in surrendering members of her alliance, having to go behind their backs, what that was going to mean for a game. I didn't give her enough. I didn't give, I didn't stand in her shoes enough during that moment. And that was my, Biggest mistake is I didn't, I didn't consider how much work she'd done and just how much of an ask it was for her to go against the people and the relationships she'd built, and and that's that's the a regret that I have is that I didn't give it that extra thought and time. Hmm. Well, I have to ask more about the syncing up of your games because I need to know exactly how long you went without telling Sam that you had found a hidden immunity <laughs> idol. <laughs> and what was your ideal plan? Had Jordy not revealed this to her, had he not spilled the beans about your idol, mm. what was your ideal plan for revealing that idol to her? Yep. So um, I think I think we came together for the merge feast uh, like 2 p.m. Uh, like It was like 2 p.m. on the merge day. I had told Sam about it the next morning just before lunch. Um, this The play here was this. Geordie saw me get the, the reward. I knew that. I was like, he's a loose end. This is going to be really difficult. It's basically going to become a public idol. I decided to, to, close, uh, to close the loop on this and, and get rid of the loose end. By eventually, I spent three days looking for it. When I got the idol, I said, I can't keep the facade going. It's going to take too much energy. I'm going to burn too much social capital. I'm just going to tell him and put the ball in his court. Told him about the idol. I said, do not tell anyone. Um, and then we got to the merge. Um, he told Jordy, uh, told Josh and Jordan about the clue immediately. He told them about the idol immediately. So there was a few days I was walking around. He, he leaked the information much quicker than I thought. When we got to the camp, I did exactly what I said I was going to do. I didn't tell anyone about it for a period of time. Part of the reason is... I had this idea about transparency. I was like, I know I'm a huge threat. If I'm extremely transparent and I'm very consistent with what I with what I say I'm going to do in my actions, it'll be a bit more disarming for people and they won't have a reason to try and get me. And, and that was a key part of it was like, if I say I'm not going to tell anyone, like I mean no one. Sam, not Sam, not anyone. And that was uh and that was a key point when he went to Jordan and mentioned this. Oh, sorry, when he went to Josh, these, these Jays, they drove me crazy. In the <laughs> yeah, that's <game. Um, laughs> so It was incredible when you were tired and you're trying to come up with a J name. Um, so when he went to Josh and Jordan and, and told them this later, they were like, Mark said he wasn't going to tell anyone and he didn't and you shared the information and it reflected poorly on him. So it caused a, a rift between Sam and I, but I had every intention of telling you. I'd communicated this multiple times in the confessionals. It's just... Every time you utter the word, there's a chance that it leaks. 
there's a chance you get heard. There's a chance. So I was waiting for the right time to do it. And I always do things at night when no one's going to see. Um, so I had many opportunities. I just chose not to do it for the first 24 hours. Hmm. So talking about idols. Now, this is being nitpicky <laughs> about the timing because we, we, we got from Sam that you did not know going into tribal council about Jesse's idol being in her sarong. Now, during the vote out of Jesse, did she let you know about this idol? Did you know the idol's existence when voting out Jesse? This this was very funny. We walked into tribal council. We're putting our torches in the little holders at the back of the room. Sam whispers to me, I've got Jesse's <laughs> idol. And I'm like, excuse me? I thought I misheard it. I'm like, what do you mean Jesse's idol? I didn't know he had an idol. And secondly, if he did have an idol, why do you have it? <laughs> and uh, she repeated, I have Jesse's idol. And then she grabbed my hand and put it on the pocket of her like vest that she was wearing. And I felt an idol sitting in her pocket. <laughs> and I was like, we have two idols. What is going on here? <laughs> and we sat down. Hello. <laughs> Come here. Say hello. 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 Harry. Who's that? Hi. 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 Hey. How are you? Oh, Harry makes an appearance everywhere, every episode, every podcast. Say hello, Sean and Raquel. Hello, Sean and Hi. <laughs> Hi, Harry. Say, my name's Harry. Hey, Harry. <laughs> okay. You gonna, you gonna, you gotta go run away and take the iPad? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> He's too cute. He's a little gem, isn't he? <laughs> he makes an appearance in every episode, including this. <laughs> he, he does. He does. He got more airtime than, you know, some yeah, of the... Yeah, he did. Oh, we've talked about... <laughs> so... Oh, uh, it was too good. Did you... Sorry, where was I? Oh, I, was, I was talking about... Just the idol being in um, Sam's pocket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. I was like, what have you done? I was like, I was, I was very impressed. I love it. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and I just had this feeling that the the game had just taken this huge turn because, oh, it was just a, it was very, that was very intense. So, um, good on her. She did something like very hard. I would not have been able to do that myself. I don't think it would have been tricky. So, having this now, the ghost of Jesse in her pocket, having to constantly evade these questions or lie to your closest allies, do you really feel like it hindered your game in some capacity? Yeah, this was a big factor because I was like, I didn't really lie to anyone who was in my alliance except for information about idols. And so, we crafted this story. We committed to saying, no, it's not true. Geordie's lost his mind. Uh, and we were going further and further down that rabbit hole. I'm like, oh, God, this is going to have consequences when I do finally reveal it. And I think- when I revealed the second idol and played it, and it was just the, the whole thing was a mess. It, I didn't need to play it. Uh, I antagonized the jury. Um, and then when I sat down, I, I like, I tried to be, I tried to be not too dark about it. Like I grabbed Chrissy's leg. I was like, sorry. I had a bit of a joke about it. We came back to camp. I had a bit, bit more of a joke about it. I think people were just relieved that it, there was no idol anymore. And I was disempowered. And I think that, that people kind of got over the lie because now it didn't matter. Like I had no power. Uh, the jury probably thought it was just a dud play and I'd also antagonized them as well. So it was really weird. It was a terrible play and it ended up helping my game Not, just, just by pure luck. Were there any alternative names you had for this idol other than the ghost of Jesse? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to call it Sue's big move from season one and uh, in honor of, of Sue who played all the way through the merge there and had a big move that was marketed in the, in the show marketing, but never emerged. And it's like a running joke among fans. I was like, ah, oh, just call it something a bit more generic, but yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty awful. Pretty awful, man. <laughs> oh, I love that commitment to survivor history. Yeah. That would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Sam's elimination because I've heard you talk about it in some of your exit press as a, a really underrated move. And 
I totally agree. I'm just curious, like, at what point did this plan sort of come together to potentially sacrifice one of yourselves? I know Sam told us that in the preseason that it was one of the uh, ideal scenarios that you discussed about one of you going to the jury midway through to start sort of working on them. But a lot of things have to align for that to happen. So Mm. I'm curious in the game, when do you come to this decision that, okay, you know what, if one of us is on the block, we just take it. I think we really landed on this after Jordan got outed and we were the last couple left. We're looking at it going, all right, we had a plan to stick together the the four, so the, the last two couples in the game. And we thought we had a pretty good chance of running that to the end. And then when Jordan left, I'm like, we're done here. One of us is going to go in the next, you know, four to five votes. We both knew that. And we had the idols and we're looking at it going, actually, this can work because we now have a jury that's getting quite big. The other person can run to the end with possibly two idols. So this isn't such a bad outcome. And the longer we have two in the game, the more chance there is. That's that's less time with the jury explaining our game. That's more time where we're potentially stepping on each other's toes with moves. Maybe we can see that we are going to get broken up as a couple. We're already the last couple. Um, and there's a lot we can do by separating and playing a, a parallel game uh, again. And that realization kind of just came to us as we, we talked about it before, but that, that's a long shot for it to materialize. And then when Jordan got voted out, we're like, actually, this is kind of what we're faced with now. And it made a lot of sense that like, all right, maybe we don't chance things with our idols. We don't take them to jury at all. And we just accept that whoever's up next on the block goes and we don't take our idols to camp and the other person comes home and there's two idols for them to play with. And it just happened that the day that Sam got voted out, I got the immunity necklace uh, we knew there was a good chance Sam would be at risk, but we made the decision early, like, let's not play the idols. So, yeah, tough decision. Kind of going back to the Ghost of Jesse, I had mentioned on this podcast that it could have helped lower your threat level heading into the final five or being in the final five, your speech and the idol actually not being played correctly. And. As you just said, you know, it did help you, and that was purely coincidental. After you sat down and you had the realization, oh, shit, this actually is totally not working out. I just antagonized them. This speech was maybe not the best. Did you really lean into that? Did you really make that your argument for continuing in the game and being a lesser threat for the remaining to vote you out? Yeah, it was super odd. I felt like it was it really knocked me down a couple of pegs on the on the threat level. Um, and you'll have to ask, you know, Chrissy. I'm, I'm not, I haven't heard your podcast with Chrissy, but I'm not sure what they said. But I felt like it did make them go, "Oh, well, he's not so good now. He's just looked like a fool and doesn't have any more protection anyway." Um, so yeah, I remember going back and just going, "Yeah, like I had it. I lied about it. Like, what else was I going to do? Of course, I'm going to lie about it." Um, and I feel like I was kind of forgiven for it. And I did apologize. You know, I was like, look, it's an idol. Like, you've got to understand that it's, it's an acceptable lie uh, in Survivor. So it was a tough situation. There was nothing I saw in that vote that was pointing at me as the victim. It was all directed towards Geordie. And I'm sitting there in a cold sweat going, I have to play this idol. Like, I don't think it's me, but I have to play it. Uh, because the, the worst result would be me going home with it. And at that point of the game, people have gotten very good at blindside. So I'm just sitting there going, I don't think it's me. I can't believe it, but I'm going to have to play it. I made that speech because the only way that worked out is if they had organized a blindside and it got Geordie and it was a, just a hands-down fail. So uh, it's kind of a funny episode, but yeah, I'm, I that wasn't good. F- that wasn't my planning. That was coincidental, just like you said. <laughs> so... But wait, can we go back to the speech? Because I'm curious, like you're giving the speech and we're seeing cut. I mean, Sam told us that a little bit of this was edited out of context here, but we are seeing cuts to the jury. Just, you know, Sam shaking her head. Uh, we're, we're seeing people kind of pissed off, kind of laughing. But 
Is there anything going on in your head where you're like, mm, maybe I should stop. Maybe I should pull back or I'm too far in now and I'm just going to go for it. it. Like, is there, or like what is going through your head as you're seeing the jury? Cause this is really a performance for the jury, right? Yeah. Once I was committed to it, I'm like, that's it. You're committed. <laughs> this either is going to, you're either going to go down in flames or you're going to crash, you know, you're going to crash through and it's going to be something great. And yeah, I went down in flames and, uh, <laughs> and Sam was sitting on the jury just looking at me like she was going to kill me. Uh, yeah. So you know what it's like though? It is a bit of a blur when you're in those situations. And I was just sitting there the whole tribal going, I can't believe I'm going to play this idol. And I've still got one vote left and I think I'm going to go home on the next vote. Okay. I want to talk about really one of the icons of Australian Survivor, Chrissy, because you played with Chrissy uh, from day one. I mean, you were separated a bit after the swap, but here was somebody, a total fish out of water, who was thrown into this game that she kind of understood, mostly didn't, but she figured it out. And can we just go back to those early days on the Water Tribe and what your relationship was like with Chrissy, how you saw her fitting into the tribe and figuring out the game? I mean, was she somebody that she, that you saw you could just potentially use? Um, or, you know, what was your relationship like with Chrissy in those early days? It, it was too funny. She was walking around camp and there was a group of us picking up paper bark and she comes over to me and goes, oh my God, I just found a clue. What do I do? Do I tell Andy? I'm like, do not, do not tell Andy. And uh, I go, we'll just, we'll go away and we'll read it later and we'll go figure out what we're going to do with it. Um, and so the, that's the first time I realized, oh, she, I don't think she knows exactly what she's doing, but she's like, she's good fun. I trust her. And later on, I said, right, my mission today is to find out what that clue said. And I'm going to help Chrissy and we're going to get this idol if it's, you know, and this is going to be my first play of the game. And it took all night. I was awake all night talking to people just around the campfire. That was, you know, being social. And at about 2 a.m., I remember Chrissy just going, I read the clue. It says there's an idol at Tribal Council. Uh, and I think I've got one. I've got to use it tomorrow night. And there's one other clue out there with the same information. And I was like, perfect. So I, I, I was already in with a person that had one of the biggest plays to do early in the game. And this was me, this is that early stage of the game where you're just trying to find your feet. You're trying to make sure you're involved and you're playing as well. Um, so straight away, I knew she was someone I could trust and work with. And I thought, you know, I've got something she doesn't have. I've got a better knowledge of the game. I can help her. She can help me because she's super social. Uh, and that's how we, we started. And we were much tighter than they show on the show. They just didn't show that Chrissy, Josh, and I were a three- mm that worked together since day one. They, they showed that piece quite late in the game. Yeah, well, that's something else I'm curious about because we saw sort of in the middle of the merge portion of the game, suddenly people are talking about how, oh, Chrissy and Josh are each other's number ones. And that sort of came out of nowhere for me, uh, partially because also Josh was very invisible in the first half of the game, considering how integral he would be to the end game. Uh, that was surprising. But... I mean, moving forward with Chrissy and Josh, and I mean, you also had Jordan in the mix early on. Like, I'm like, I'm curious how that dynamic was. I mean, did you feel that Josh and Chrissy were closer than you were to either of them? And was that an issue for you? Uh, it actually wasn't. And one of the, the funny reasons for that is that uh, I don't know if you remember, I put that vote on Chrissy. I think it was a second vote when Brianna went home. Um, the reason I did that is because Khan had said to me, hey, can you put a vote on Chrissy tonight? Because we want to make sure she's a split vote. And things got overtaken by events. And I was looking at it going, I've actually got to put this vote on Chrissy because I said I would. I know she's not going home. and I know this is risky, but this will help me build my relationship up with Khan. So I did that. I put the vote down on her. We spent the next, Chrissy spent the next five days in a whodunit kind of mode, trying to figure out who had voted for her. And I was just going, Chrissy, don't worry about it. You know, just like, let's just keep going with the game. It's not that important. <laughs> and, uh, 
<laughs> and about, and I was going, oh my god, I'm gonna have to tell her because she just wouldn't let it go. And about five days later, I was like, hey, I did something really important to try and shore up a relationship with Khan. Um, you know, that's good, right? She's like, yeah, that's that's really good. What did you do? And I went, you know, you know that vote <laughs> on you. I go, yeah, that was me. <laughs> and she stood up and walked away, and I was like, oh my god, she's gonna vote me out of the game. <laughs> I had to like, she was crying. I had to go oh. after her, like Chrissy. I'm sorry. Like it was this. It was actually a really big scene, and I was, I had my arm around her. I'm like, mate, I'm really sorry. You're like my one of my best friends out here. I'm really sorry I did that. I'm not going to write your name down again. I apologize. Like it took. I, I meant everything I said, um, because I think she felt like she really trusted me, and I think she felt like an idiot that she had trusted me. But I was saying, look, no, I knew you weren't going. Um, and I made a mistake, you know, and, um, and that's kind of how we repaired our, our relationship and stayed tight. And so Josh was her number one from that point. Cause I'd voted mm. for her. And then, um, I was her number two, ah. but we, but, we, but between the three of us, that relationship stayed for the whole duration of the blue OG period. So we, we got to see so much kick ass <laughs> footage of Chrissy, but we were really robbed of KJ footage and KJ's story. Yes. So I would love to know maybe some big points of what we did not see involving KJ and what do you think her chances were if she had made it to that final tribal council? Oh, KJ was a real dark horse. I said this multiple times in the first maybe week of the game. I said, uh, KJ is the most underrated player here. Uh, I called her the Sentinel because she would just sit there and just hear and see everything. And she was pretty accurate in figuring out what was happening. And so I was, I'm like, she's a little silent assassin. She's just sitting there waiting to sink the knife into someone. And I said, she's a flight attendant. And you like, you would know this. Like she can watch a situation. She pays attention to people. She can remember everything. She does, nothing escapes her kind of view. Um, and I said, look, she looks after a cabin of 400 people. I, I think she can cover 12 people in this tribe pretty easily. Uh, and so I was, I knew she was going to be a really good player. Then Sophie came over and that really ended up sinking her game. She, she just, the, the bandwidth required to deal with that was just a lot for her. And this was, I think, just before the tribe swap. So, so that kind of did hamstring her game quite a bit. She was having to deal with Sophie, who was under a lot of pressure. She'd been voted out of her last tribe, which is a lot to deal with, you know, for most people. And then when she came to us, she was still kind of reeling from that. And KJ had to kind of pick up the pieces. And, yeah, put her on the back foot a bit. And I feel like we didn't see much of KJ until she became pivotal, kind of like Josh. I just feel like they could have really just carved out a bit of time for these people early in the game. It would have made the end game a lot more interesting. Since you mentioned Sophie, I just have a quick question here because Sophie comes over from the Blood Tribe and she's pissed. And <laughs> I just need to know, like, what was everybody thinking? Because, of course, we didn't lose her because Alex basically self-ejects because of his back. But I assume that she would have gone home. But it, is, was she truly standing around just talking crap about everybody's loved one to their loved one? Uh Yes, in short. <laughs> yes. And uh, as my, when it happened, I was like, oh, this is, a, you know, it's one of those non-limb episodes. And then I was like, oh, no, this is going to be good. Like, let's get the popcorn out because <laughs> there's going to be no heat on us for a bit. Uh, and so I kind of sat back and watched the spectacle uh, for a bit with the other people on the team. And it just, it gave us a bit of breathing space because there was someone else just taking up all the, the oxygen uh, in the in the tribe at that point, and I, you know, I don't want to make fun of people. It's survivors. It's it's hard, and the pressure, uh, the disappointment of being voted out by people that you tight with. It's it's a lot to deal with. Um, so I understand how how people find that hard and how people get mad. I was furious the first time I played the game just because I I didn't know how to separate the the game and and the personal. So I I do. Um, empathize with that for sure. That's fair. Let's talk about somebody else uh, who was a little bit antagonistic, Jordy, Joker Jordy. 
who, when he finally gets eliminated after this long back and forth battle between uh, Jordy, Sam, and yourself, we see him go and pitch this idea to you of saying, you can keep your idol. I'm going to vote Shay. You can vote Shay with me. I mean, you have absolutely no reason, in my view, to trust that because of your existing relationship with Jordy at that point. But what's so shocking to me is that he actually followed through with that. I mean, he voted for <laughs> Shay. Were you as shocked as I was? And did you did you ever seriously consider going with him and voting for Shay? I was extremely shocked and no, I never considered going with him because I thought it was a, it was a total ruse, but this is Geordie. Like he was just a, you couldn't quite predict what he was going to do. And that it made, it made for interesting viewing, but it made, it was hard to work with because you just, if you talk, especially if you're talking like game theory, you need rational actors for that framework to, to be realized that if you cooperate, you'll actually end up going a lot further. And not all actors in Survivor are fully rational, so you've got to you've got to be careful of those ones. They'll they'll screw up your decision making model. And I think Geordie, yeah, I was really surprised when he voted Shay. I was I was having a chuckle over that one. <laughs> Given your like sordid history with Geordie at the game, I'm curious where you and Sam and Geordie are at today. Where, you know, the game's behind you. Are you friendly? Oh, yeah, we're friendly. I still make fun of him. I'm still like, dude, I told you that second idol was just all in your head. And, and he even admitted it. He's like, because we were, we were in that duel for so long over the, the lie of the idol. He said at one point, he's like, am I going crazy? Did that actually happen? Or am I just, <laughs> I just imagine that you guys stole our idol? And I was like, dude, I think it's a figment of your imagination. And I was the same. I'm like, maybe we don't have an idol. I've been, deli- I've been denying it that long. Um but yeah, we just got our wires crossed, and and uh, it was a funny duel. I always always liked Jordy in the game. We always had fun with it. I never, I was really careful not to step on players when they were feeling like they were on the bottom. Mm. And I said this to Jordan Jordy a few times. I'm like, mate, keep talking to me because tomorrow it'll, it'll be me. I'll be I'll be cap in hand going to you saying, hey, I need your help. Let's work together. So I was really careful not to stomp on people if they felt like they were down or or at the bottom. So at the final four, you discuss having pushed this narrative of Josh being the leader of the Alliance so that he could be used as your meat shield. Now we didn't get a lot of this in the edit. And so I'm curious, can you talk to us about how you went about this? Was it more pushing the perception of him being in charge or were you actually letting him call the shots making him make the move so that the attention would be on him. It was kind of both. So Josh is a natural leader and he was a good organizer of the vote. And he, he has that kind of charisma and demeanor where he, he is that, he is that kind of uh, team leader that people look to. So it made it very easy for me to say, implicitly a lot of suggestions that he was running the show. I never said it explicitly like Josh is leading this, I would say things like, you know, Josh, remind me, you're like, remind me how we're going to cut this up. And I get him to explain the way we should structure the votes. Um, and then I would say, look, to someone else, I'd be talking to go, look, Josh thinks we do this. And I was just constantly dropping these little seeds that he was the brains behind these votes. And it wasn't me. I was kind of like the loyal soldier kind of, you know, I, I agree with this. Let's do it. That's kind of how I was pitching it. And it was a combination of both. Josh is a natural leader and played a brilliant game that we never got to see. And I was also selling him as that leader and saying, yes, he is the one that's in front. He's playing better than me. The jury likes him more than they like me. And he only had to be that much better than me, uh, just a fraction better than me. And if we were presented with a vote or an option, it would probably be that bigger threat that, that went home. And it was just... Just the way it lined up, um, us being at the final four and and Shay winning, uh, that that strategy did pay off. Um, that move did pay off, and it wasn't a flash move. It's just something I did over the the whole duration of the game. So, with that, is there any scenario where you genuinely feel comfortable going against him at final tribal council, and what are your chances there? 
Yeah. One thing I did was I tried not to engineer the end game too much. I think people get a bit excited with it, with themselves and they think, oh, I'm going to have this person next to me at the end. I'm going to engineer it to be this way. Like, just get to the end. Just get there and figure out the rest once you're there. You, if you don't have a game to pitch because you're not at the end, then what's the point of all this work you've done? Um, so that was very much how I looked at it. I'm like, if I go to the end, I don't care if it's Josh or KJ or Chrissy, like I'm going to have my pitch that I can control. And I thought up a few scenarios about how I might mitigate their arguments. If I'm up against Josh, I might be able to say, you know, you were just the pilot and I was the, the general calling the shots. Like I had a few ideas like that, but I was happy to go up against anyone at the end with confidence that I had played as best as I could and, and that I could sell I could sell that to a jury. Hmm. Okay. Can we pivot for a moment and talk fashion? Because <laughs> yes. you carried on <laughs> a tradition of wearing a leather jacket on Australian Survivor. Interesting choice because I know the Outback is very warm, uh, but I'm sure it gets cool at night. And, and it, was, <laughs> it was a great tribal look. But th- this is what really blows my mind is that I only just found out on Instagram, that the jacket came from Kill Capture, a company that you co-founded, and Mark the Fashion Mogul is a total mystery to me. So can you tell me how you got into this and how you chose the iconic Tribal Council leather jacket look? (laughs) This is a very funny story. I I tried to manufacture like stab-proof panels in the back of that jacket so no one could like... (laughs) Get me in the back during Survivor. But um, uh, this happened when I was at business school. I like had left the military. I wanted to go to business school. I went in the US uh, in Philadelphia. I spent two years full-time in an MBA, which is a master's in business. And I just had this, I always liked clothing and I always had this idea around building a brand that was a bit more kind of hard hitting, had the, the values of special ops and, uh, you know, a nice f- approachable name like Kill Capture, nice family friendly <laughs> name. And um you know, because it was about that. It was about my my background in the military and 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 that sense of teamwork that had come from it. So, I built the prototypes when I was at business school. I, I wore them in the school fashion show. Um, it, people started buying these jackets. I built them in New York City. Got a really good manufacturer to do it. This guy makes jackets for dresses for Beyonce. He's like the best in the business. Um, and so they were really really high quality, and I just loved. I love the, the jacket. I, I looked for one when I got to the US. I couldn't find one that I liked. So I thought, you know, I'm going to make, make my own here. And so I went to the garment district and did that. And eventually after pushing that business on the side, I was consulting and then I was trying to build that startup on the side. I got onto Savara and I'm like, perfect. I'm going to wear one of my jackets in the jungle here in, in uh, Samoa. And uh, I'll, I'll use that as a bit of product placement, and a bit of marketing. And so I did that. I took it out in Samoa and people were like, what are you doing? This is the jungle. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, 12 hours later, it's nighttime. It's freezing in the jungle. You're getting rained on and a leather jacket was just perfect. And, uh, and, then, I, and then I kept the tradition up for uh, the second round of Survivor and, and wore it into the outback. And I must tell you that I was like nearly going down from heat every single tribal council <laughs> that I did. There's a fire in front of you. I'm wearing leather. Like it was, it was hot, but you know, I do it for the, for the business and cause I, I love it. And uh, yeah, it, it's fun. It's a fun thing. I still do. I still do it now. Yeah. I love that. People remember, people remember the looks from tribal council. It's important. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have a listener question. So, I like to tease our interviews on Instagram and ask people if they have any questions for Survivor players. I have to tell you, when I put up your picture and asked for questions, (laughs) 95% of them are completely inappropriate. Uh, (laughs) You have to ask some of them just to give us a a taste. Okay, what's your number? (laughs) (laughs) Done. I'll post it. Are you going to start an OnlyFans like Ozzy? <laughs> you only get one window to do this stuff. I might as well take it while it's there, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I didn't know Ozzy had an OnlyFans. Oh, oh my god, it's it's thriving. I didn't know that. Oh it's yeah, thriving. He's, he's done well. It's doing very oh, wow. well. Yeah, go go him, go Ozzy. <laughs> okay, but here is a game question that we got from JJ Sexton. 
Did you talk about the depth of the strategic game that you and Sam played together at the final tribal council? I know we saw a little bit of it on TV, but did you feel like you had to balance the jury's ego with while also trying to explain to them that you basically played circles around them in a way in terms of like sacrificing Sam to go work the jury while you are still in the game with these two idols? Like, was there some kind of balance? Because it was... I. It felt like there were some big egos on the jury there that kind of had to see a humbler side of a winner. And I'm wondering how you balanced that. Yeah, this was probably the biggest thing I had to mitigate I knew going in there is that they would want to see me as being quite human. They would want some contrition and empathy shown. Um, and the and the way that depicted me in the edit was was pretty ruthless. I I, I didn't like the one dimensional character that I was seeing in the edit. That was, that was kind of rough for me because I did play a good social game and you just didn't see it. And I, I feel like I'm not going to complain. I, I got an edit. I'm, I'm happy about that, but I feel like that was a side of my game that I was most proud of because I didn't have it first time I played. And so um, I had to show a bit of contrition and, and be open and not be too uh, ag- aggressive and ruthless. Like I had been in the game. And I think the first, I addressed everyone in the jury. I spoke to every person. I said, look, I haven't spoken to you guys for many weeks now. I want to chat. I want to address each person. I went through each person, just talked about why I like them, why I play with them and and why they were a threat to me. And that took a couple of minutes. Like I I did that with each person and that was important because I feel like that, again, disarmed the jury a bit and and just made them realize that I'm, I'm added to your game in some way and that even though you're sitting there, you still recognize us as players um, I think that's an important step in addressing any jury. Um, I felt like if I was in their shoes, I would just want to be recognized that that I was important to your game as well in some way. Um, and so I did that. But then I remember Khan asking a question saying, you know, the way you and Sam played really epitomized blood versus water. You cooperated together. Uh, you played as one person. And ultimately, that's what got you so far into the game. So he, he asked us to explain how that happened. And I think that's the first time that I'd really had someone articulate it to me like that. And I was like, actually, we, we really did do that. Um, and so it was an opportunity for me to explain how Sam and I had, had worked together and thought about the game. And I was proud of that. And I felt guilty as well. because, And I said it during the the, I think, one of the final confessionals I did. I was like, I would have been happier for Sam to have her time here. I felt like it was her chance and I felt guilty for taking that from her. I I wasn't fussed. I I was happy for either of us to go to the end, but I felt a lot of guilt over over being there at that point and that she was on the jury. That was hard for me. Hmm. So in light of what has come out with Chrissy and Shay and their um, interviews since the finale has aired about their final tribal council and kind of the jury being aggressive and all the tirades that took place. What is your perspective on the vibe of the final tribal council? How was it overall? Yeah, this is a hard one. Uh, This is a hard one. So there are a couple of pointed questions that went to both Chrissy and Shay that I think were, were probably not, couched as well as they could have been probably weren't delivered as well as, as they could have been and, and they, I think they caused a lot of hurt I think they weren't fully prepared for that um, and that's you don't want to do that in any game like it doesn't matter what you're doing you want to you want to be playing the the ball and not the person and I think that question kind of did cross over in, into playing the person a bit and I understand the frustration in the jury like I, I can understand that um, but you, you've got to keep it professional no matter what happens. And I felt like that really could have been delivered a lot better. Um, that's one side. The other side is you're playing Survivor. These people are going to be awarding someone a, a serious title and a serious prize. You've been instrumental in voting out their peers. They're sitting there watching you, wondering why they should do that. So I went into tribal expecting a bare knuckle questioning session i was ready for all sorts of attacks i'd thought it all through i was dreading it a little bit but i was kind of ready for that i was kind of ready for that contact as such and 
I, I feel like I went in there mentally prepared for that. It's, I mean, it's Survivor. It is a very rough game. Where it's we, play, it's a game where we, to be crude about it, you, you people are being marginalised and voted out of a group of humans, and it goes to a really ancient need that we have, and that is to be included in a tribe. Because in the old days, being kicked out of a tribe meant that death. Really, back in the old, back a long time ago, when humans were first, you know, developing. So it plays at a really ancient need that we have. And I can understand why people were mad as well. So I think it was it was unfortunate. It was unfortunate that it it came to that. Um, yeah, that was very rough on on Chrissy and, and Shay. Um, but at the same time, you got to you got to be ready for it too. That's that's my view on it. With how difficult Final Tribal Council is, I know there's a lot of emotions going on. I I've been at one. It's very there's a lot going on. Um, so we see in the finale edit that the votes are read on location um, and a winner is announced. How, how did that feel? How, what were the emotions after going through this very serious round of questioning? How did it feel to win out there? Uh, it, was, it was odd because I felt like, all right, they're, gonna f- they're not going to tell us here. They're going to film three endings. Um, and when, they were, when uh, Jonathan came back with the votes, he goes, all right, I'll now read out the votes for the winner. And I was looking around going, are they going to tell us, are they going to stop this or are we actually reading, you know, figuring out a winner right now? And he read the votes out. I think I was the first winner, the first, first, uh, you know, notional winner. And I was like, we all celebrated and stood up and I didn't really, I was really taken aback. I didn't know what to do. I wasn't expecting that to have happened. I was kind of expecting him to, to, to brief us maybe. I don't know. Uh, so it felt really odd. And then we did it again for the next person. Then we did it again for the final person. And I just remember thinking, you know, this is this journey that's taken us so long is finally over. There's no more work for me to do. I can't influence this game anymore. Uh, the win has been decided. I watched everyone go up and vote. There's nothing more I can do now. And I felt this relief that, you know, I'd just thrown everything at it that I could and it was over. Yeah, it was, it was, it was emotional and it was, it was great to see my family and and hug people and speak to the jury after just looking at you know after looking at him for weeks. Yeah, it was special. It was really great. Sam came over. You know, she looked amazing. My family was there. It was it was a lot of fun. So the fans may not realize, and we did not know this until recently, that the votes being read there are not actually the votes, and the winner is not properly announced on location. Um, so. With that, is that the norm in the Australian seasons where they read the votes? I'm using air quotes for those at home, where they read the votes at Final Tribal Council. Do they always film multiple endings for and when did you actually find out you were the winner? So I think and I didn't see Tribal the first time I played, but I believe they didn't film it. They did the reunion episode. I think that's right. Maybe they did film it. And then later we did a reunion where they actually read them out, you know, in the US style. Um, and then I, uh, Blood versus Water, so, uh, sorry, not Blood versus Water, Brains versus Brawn, the last season. I know they did something similar. They had an ending filmed for both candidates, uh, Haley and and George, both both survivors at the end, and they didn't know who won. And they told them on the day in a phone call because it was the pandemic and they couldn't have a finale. Uh, and they did the same with us. They flew. Myself, Josh, Chrissy, Shay, up to Sydney uh, on the Monday, and they had a lunch with us. And there were four Channel Ten executives, and they went, "You know, we loved having you out there. We're going to tell you the winner." And uh, they said it was me, and we all had some champagne, and uh, they toasted us. And that was about midday, and then we the finale was, you know, six hours later. And that's it. I found out that day. This blows my mind. So, like, were, were there votes? Like, were there fake votes for Shay and Chrissy? Yeah, what they did was they had voting cards from the earlier tribals, and they'd put them. Oh. Yeah, and they'd put them in the pot, <laughs> and they would they would read out because Josh is like, "Hey, that's my handwriting," <laughs> and so they were reading out old votes. Uh, yeah, I laughed wow. at that. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. That's so funny. <laughs> and so everyone everyone got a chance to win, and everyone got a chance to lose. And I was like, "Ah, oh, done." I was being a sore loser and walking around to you know in tribal council. <laughs> But no, it was fun. We, we we got to hug each other and and everyone got to have a go at winning. Aww. So this is our last question, I think. Who knows? <laughs> Sean always throws something extra in. But 
does Australian Survivor let you keep your torches? Or are there any trinkets that you smuggled home as a souvenir when you left the game? I got the camp machete. Oh, that's a, good that's one. a very oh. good one. Camp, yeah, <laughs> that's a very good one. Because the machetes are like these cool, you were seeing the cool cookery knives with that you know, mark. They were really cool. So I got to keep our one at the blue camp. Uh, Chrissy got the fishing tackle box, which was actually really cool as well. Um, what else? We don't get to keep our torches or our water bottles. I got to keep my bag. That was cool. Um, so yeah, I got, I got a couple of good little bits of memorabilia. Um, no water bottles. Yeah, random it's, one it's, to take back. Random. <laughs> yeah, our water bottles are pretty pretty ornate. Uh, but <clears throat> yeah, it was cool. And what impressed me about this season was just this, the scale of the challenges that they presented. They were so big and so intense and so hard. Uh, and, and there was so much like hand-to-hand combat in the early stages. Mm-hmm. That was just, I was kind of dreading every time we, we went to challenges because you knew we were going to be fighting someone hand to hand. It was just, it was rough. Usually Croc. <laughs> Always Croc. He actually beat me. He beat me in the, like the pillow fighting challenge and uh, they never showed it. So poor Croc, like, uh, we, you know, they, they didn't show the one, the time that he beat me, but they showed all the other times that he, he didn't. Poor guy. <laughs> he's an awesome guy. He's, he's, a, he's a legend. Total gentleman. I do have oh, I do have one last question that occurs to me, and uh, I don't know that you would ever play again. I mean, I don't know how you improve upon a win, but one, would you? Two, would you convince Sam to play again? I would one hundred percent. I would want to see Sam play without me kind of interfering with her game. Um, I, I think she improved by many orders of magnitude and she played a better game than me by quite a bit i think and and to be fair josh was the same he played an outstanding game and i hope we get to see him both him and sam play again um whether i would do it i'm looking at now going yeah i don't think i would want to go back but i know if i got the call it's such a spectacle i'd probably be like (laughs) i'll put my boots on right now i'll be there in five minutes uh so i've kind of yeah, I don't think I'd want to go back, but uh, you end up chasing the dragon. I think I think I would, you know, I would consider it, but I'd want to see Sam go back first. Yeah, well, I would love to see love either it. of you back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, Mark, we uh, won't keep you any longer. Thank you so much for doing this. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you over the course of this season, much more than we got to know you uh, way back in 2017, uh, because this time you went the distance. And congratulations <laughs> again. Incredible game with Sam. Incredible game on your own. Uh, while Sam was on the jury as well. And just a great, great final Tribal Council performance. So well-deserved. Thanks so much. You guys, uh, you know, Sam and I have been listening to you since the start. You guys have the the most professional coverage. You're very fair. You're very balanced. You're very funny. Uh, you know, we, we love it. We're huge fans. We're going to be listening to your podcast for a very long time and uh, shouting out about it. It's kind of like a self-licking ice cream. You guys are mentioning us and we were promoting you. It was, it was very <laughs> yeah, <I> love that. <laughs> That's going to be a Twitter status today. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Careful. It could be an OnlyFans transition. <laughs> That's my bio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, thank so, you so much, much Mark. Mark. Thank you. Hey, great great to finally chat to you. I, I hope we get to meet uh, soon. You know, Sammy and I will be coming to the US, so we'll, we'll see you over Ooh. there for sure. We like it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Fun time. Thanks. See you both Have soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.